Well, we are continuing in this series that we've called Seven Big Questions from God's Heart to Yours. And we've asked a number of questions. Why do you laugh? Um, you know, um, where are you? And uh, today we're asking this question, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? Now, I'm not asking this question. This is a question that Jesus asked. And we're going to get to that in a few moments in Luke chapter 24. If you have, if you want to read along, you can begin to find that in your Bible. You know, you never need to feel guilty or bad about using the uh, table of contents, the index in the front of your Bible. If you, if you use a paper Bible and you're not really very familiar with it, it's printed right in the front. I warn you, it's generally not listed alphabetically. It's listed chronologically, I mean, uh, in terms of how it's laid out in the book, but just scan through and find Luke. Uh, it's the third book in the New Testament, chapter 24. Well, I want to ask you if you have, um, if you've ever seen this in Arizona, that glass walk, I think it's called the skywalk. Has anybody seen that? Anybody been on that? Any, anybody want to go on that? Okay, quite a few would like to, but you've never done it. Well, that's so. There's a little gap there, so you need to make some plans. Uh, I I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about that. Um, even if a parachute was attached to me, I don't I don't know if I would do that. Um, there's a, one that's just a, a been made, created in China. That's honestly, I just love everything in China. They they say, "Oh, you did that? Oh, that's cute." And then they build that. Also, a glass bridge. Massive. Massive. Now, I think maybe I would go on that. We, we rode a, a gondola up in Whistler a few years ago. It's called the Peak to Peak. And the, the middle of it is, uh, I think, a, a three kilometers up or something. It's way high in the middle and you look and they, and they put glass on the floor of the gondola. For those who want to just Live on the edge, I guess. I mean, that thing's been engineered. It's been tested. It's been, it's been proven. People are on it. There's, I saw a picture of them driving a car across it just to show how strong it was. But some, how many would not go on that? Let's be honest here. Some of us would not. I, I honestly, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. I'd like to say that I would. Now, why wouldn't we go on that? Why would somebody not go on that? Isn't it fear and doubt, right? Fear of heights, fear of falling, fear of whether it's safe, and doubt about, hey, is it really strong enough? Is it really made well enough for that? Well, some of us, you know, we look at that fear and that doubt, and we, have, we, have, we kind of look at, okay, what about, what about putting all my weight on Jesus? What about putting all my trust in the Lord? Um, you know, you know in your mind that you believe and, and you've read the Gospels and you, you, you get that. You've got people around you. But, but in reality, do you trust or are you filled with doubt? Now, if you've ever had trouble uh, with doubt, you are in pretty good company. The closest disciples of Jesus, the people that knew him best, you know, who who could recognize him enough that, you know, if Jesus walked in the room, they'd know it was him by, you know, kind of the pace of his footsteps and the, and, and the way he, the cadence of his voice. They, they would have been like, oh, Jesus is here. You know how that is. If somebody walks in the room, you know when one of your kids, your friend, or somebody that you know well walks in, you recognize. Well, they had witnessed the, resurre- the, the crucifixion. There was no doubt in their mind that Jesus 
had died. There was no doubt in their mind that Jesus had died. They were very surprised to see him alive. They, they, in fact, they saw him and they had a hard time believing he was really alive. They just assumed this is a ghost. We're seeing a ghost. They, they hadn't grasped that, that Jesus was only there for a short period of time and then he died. You know, they had put everything on him and suddenly, what now? I mean, we built all our plans on this. We left our businesses. We left things to follow him and now what? What they, what they had not understood was that Jesus' resurrection was the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, but the beginning of theirs. And it's the same thing for us. The end of Jesus' earthly ministry becomes the beginning, beginning of ours. So, to that end, we're going to read Luke chapter 24. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is post-resurrection. And uh, we... Um, have just gone through an episode that's been shared with us. It's sometimes called the, the Emmaus Road or the Walk to Emmaus. There's a town of Emmaus not far from Jerusalem and two disciples are walking along and suddenly a third person is there with them and, and they have this encounter and it turns out it's Jesus but he doesn't reveal himself right away and, and he's saying, well what are you guys talking about? We're all talking about Jesus. Haven't you heard what's going on? And so they explain to him and, and then, then finally Jesus reveals himself to these two uh, disciples. And so then they're like excited and then Jesus is gone. And so now they head back to Jerusalem and tell all the others. Will you stand with me as we as we read from Luke's gospel, chapter 24? And I'm going to pick it up at verse 35. It says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Verse 38. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts do not have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And they asked him, uh, then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Verse 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. In verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then Jesus led them to Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven, and he blessed them. Amen. Let's be seated together. I love that Jesus finished by coming to Bethany. Isn't that great? I love that part. I love it. I love it so much. All right. Well, there are really two reasons why we doubt, aren't there? It's, 
it's like I already mentioned, there's that fear piece and or ignorance. And I, I share with you a, a few weeks ago, we, we kind of dealt with the, the why do you laugh? That's sort of the, the cynical side of doubt. And this today, we're a little bit more in the fear side of, of doubt. Uh, fear is by far the more stubborn of the two between ignorance and fear. Fear is more stubborn. Ignorance can be dealt with pretty easily, but fear is irrational and it's unpredictable. Uh, ignorance simply means you didn't know better. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember the first time you tried sushi. Some of you, that first time hasn't come yet. Uh, but for some of you, the first time you tried sushi, in fact, the first few times you were offered to try sushi, you said, nope, nope, that's a whole plate of nope right there. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then finally, you got over that um, kind of experience and... Uh, it was really based in ignorance because you doubted it. Ah, I don't really know what's in it. I don't know what's going to taste like. And so that was that was an ignorance piece. And once you got a chance to try it, then you could decide for yourself whether or not you cared for it. But you weren't quite so suspicious after you got through that ignorance. Well, fear is a little different. See, some people are fearless uh, at, at some things. They'll bungee jump. They'll walk on those glass things. They'll rock climb. They'll cliff dive. They'll do those things. But then if you ask them to stand up and give a little public speech, they feel like they would die, right? And I could talk up here all day. One day I might. And, um, but I don't think I would ever willingly bungee jump, tie a piece of rope to my ankles. My, my son did it. Um, I wouldn't. I, I, you know, we're different. We have different levels of things that are, are going to be fearful for us. Well, the disciples had worked themselves into this place of fear, real fear, perhaps for good reason. Right? Jesus, their leader, had been unjustly and illegally arrested, tortured, crucified. And there's every reason to believe they might be next, guilty by association. Why wouldn't the authorities have come after? In fact, they did. Come after his followers. So it was a pretty rational fear, a good reason to be afraid. But their fear kept them from remembering all that Jesus had taught them, all that Jesus had introduced to them. And so initially, that fear kept them from trusting Jesus. If you're taking notes today, there's an insert in your program. You can follow along, fill in the fill-ins if you'd like. Taking notes is a good practice because it, it just kind of helps kind of follow along and maybe learn some stuff. But fear is a chokehold to faith. Or you might say it this way, fear puts a chokehold on faith. Um, I, I, I meant to put, put, now as I'm saying this, I realize I, I meant to put a picture of like a wrestler like doing a chokehold thing. Like it's paralyzing uh, at, at times. Fear is a chokehold to faith. See, what's the first thing that Jesus says there? We, we see it in verse 36. It's a common thing in Scripture as he was, Jesus himself was there among them. And what does he say? Peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Peace is absolutely integral to the, to the work of salvation. Peace is at the, at the heart of what Jesus offers you. Peace in your unknown circumstances and, and difficulties. So when you, when you fear an exam, you need to write the next day. When you fear a, a doctor's visit, when you, when you fear a phone call, when you fear uh, that that thing you're going to get in the mail and it's going to say past due. 
right? When, when you fear an, an unknown, uncertain future, I don't know what's coming. And that fear, it's like it puts a chokehold in your life and it, it holds you back from faith because you're consumed with the fear. And to all those things in your life, your medical situations, your financial situations, your relational situations, Jesus says, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Now, when Jesus said to them, why are you frightened? They actually didn't answer, but, but we're told in the text that, that they thought he was a ghost. They didn't expect to see him. They did not expect to see him. Their expectation of normal is that Jesus, Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus that we know, he's gone. And so, by accepting what was natural and expected, it displaced their ability to embrace the miraculous. Well, this could never happen because this is the reality. Right? And so, they were so afraid of what they expected to be true that they struggled to believe what really was true. Even though the evidence was literally standing there in front of them. Jesus was standing right there and they had a hard time believing. Now, we're all prone to this. At least I am. That even though we know we can trust God, even though we've, you know, we've had whatever reason to, we still fear, with or without the evidence. I gotta tell you a little story that happened two weeks ago, um, here through Bethany Church. So we hosted the Pacific District Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches here, and, and there was, um, we had a little kerfuffle on the Saturday, a little bit of confusion, and, and suddenly we had a bunch of extra guests, and so we hastily ordered a bunch more food, but then we found out those guests actually had lunch plans, and so now we had, we had a bunch of extra food. Well, you know, I, I don't know about you, but like, you hate to see things go to waste. And so we had these two beautiful trays of, of fabulous sandwiches, nice thick turkey sandwiches, and like, wow, it's just amazing. And, uh, there's a couple in our church that were really doing a lot with the food, Don and Phyllis Newfelt. And I, and I asked them, I said, hey, whatever happened to all those sandwiches? Because, you know, they knew, well, it's not really going to keep over until... Like, you can thank them that you weren't eating day-old sandwiches at connection time, right? A couple weeks ago. Like, what are we going to do? And so they said, hey, let's call the Evangel Home. Called the Evangel Home in downtown Fresno. Hey, uh, it's a home for, for women and, and their kids. Hey, do you have any need for food? Oh, yeah, bring it on by. So they come by and they bring these two trays of sandwiches and... The lady who greeted them and received them says, you know, I looked in the freezer. There was no meat. There was nothing to cook for dinner today. And this is going to feed everybody. Now, I was upset at the waste and the extra and the chaos. And But this couple in our church, Don and Phil, they got to be part of a miracle, which was so fantastic. Now, here's the real question. Okay, that's evidence of God coming through and answering. For that lady at the evangel home, the next time she goes to the freezer and it's empty, is she going to be afraid or is she going to trust God? I think in our flesh, we say, I know God came through last time, but this time is different. Well, this time there's more people at the table. Well, this time it's in our nature to excuse the thing that's the very thing that should build our faith and say, I know, but... And I want to be the person who says, well, God came through last time. I think I can trust him to come through this time. Even if God's saying, today I want you to fast. Maybe. Right? 
Jesus says, peace be with you. I think the most frustrating and amazing thing about the words of Jesus is that he makes it seem like you can choose not to fear. That troubles me a little bit. Jesus just says, peace be with you. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read, you know, that we're commanded, do not be afraid. Don't be anxious for anything. I don't know. Is fear really a choice? Is fear really a choice? Because fear is honestly a natural and a normal response to the unknowns of both the present and the future. And so fear leads us to unbelief. It chokes out our faith. But fear, we see in this text that fear can be undone with rightly placed confidence. Fear can be undone with rightly placed confidence. Now, how do you build confidence in Christ? Well, by experience, like going to the door and there's someone with two trays of sandwiches. But how did the disciples start? Well, they start by meeting Jesus. And it took some convincing. I've got this. Let's look at this on the screen. Verses 40 to 43. It's not an instant. You know, they're not convinced instantly. As he spoke... He showed them his hands and his feet, and still they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder, right? And then he asked them, well, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. That's always kind of an interesting detail in there, and he ate it as they watched, because a ghost can't eat, right? That was the, that's the reinforcement. Look, watch, see how this happens. He really reinforced it for them. I, I would say this, don't be surprised if it takes you some time for, for the confidence in your faith to grow. But meeting with Jesus is the antidote to unbelief. If you're writing things down, you can write that one down. Meeting with Jesus is the antidote to unbelief. Now, we're coming up on Christmas. And young children are excited because who's coming to town? Santa Claus, right? And he's coming to their house. And they're so excited. And how do they know that Santa is real? Okay? Right? Because mom and dad said so. And they went to the mall and they got a picture with him. Of course he's real. I sat on his lap. Right? Wow. They believe because they met him. Now, Jesus... Is more real than Santa Claus. But how do you know? I mean, you, you can't see him. Can't take his picture. You, you meet him in a devotional time. You meet him in the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. You meet him in prayer. You meet him by experience. You, you meet him in others as you gather in your connection group or small group setting or Bible study. You, You meet with Jesus, and meeting with Jesus is the antidote to unbelief. Now, why did Jesus appear to these disciples? Can I suggest four things from the text? He met with them to dispel their unbelief. Four ways. He appeared to them to calm their fears. Peace be with you, he says. They were afraid, and rightly we've said, rightly afraid. He appeared to prove his resurrection. Look at my hands, look at my feet. Right? Let me eat something. I'm, I'm right here, guys. You can touch it. He appeared to commission the disciples as witnesses. In verses 48 and 49, he says, 
you are witnesses of all these things that you've experienced. You're witnesses of what's written in Scripture. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and be sent out. And that's the fourth thing, that he appeared to them to promise the Holy Spirit. So all these reasons, right? Confident reassurance, proof of life, a meaningful task, uh, you know, the promise of the Holy Spirit. These all work together when you meet with Jesus to undo your unbelief. It comes by meeting with Jesus, the antidote to unbelief. Now, again, we don't have the benefit of the face-to-face that the disciples had, do we? we we're not there in that room. We, 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 don't, we don't get to touch physically. So how do we meet Jesus in Scripture? Well, I want you to look at um, verses 40, 44 to 48. With me. It says, then he said, and I want you to notice, you know, several times here you're going to see the word written or some reference to what's been written. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms. Okay, we're talking about the, the Hebrew scriptures uh, must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, the written word. And he said, yes, it was written Long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. It was Jesus' priority that we know him in the Bible, in Scripture. Because the written word... This is another one you can write down today. The written word displaces doubt. The written word displaces doubt. Right? Remember we said there's two big reasons for doubt. Fear and ignorance. So meeting with Jesus undoes your fear and unbelief. Getting into the written word undoes doubt by fixing your ignorance. Verse 45 says Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures now if you jump back to 31 we didn't read that but it's in that episode i just shared briefly of the these two disciples walking between these two towns of emmaus and jerusalem and and when they sit with jesus and as he broke bread we're told that he opened their eyes verse 31 he opened their eyes to recognize him and now to remove their ignorance jesus opens their minds to know him and to understand how all those old what we would call the old testament hebrew scriptures fit together to point to him i would say this way as you develop over time you know over a long range period of time a habit of personal bible reading you start seeing the exact stuff Luke's talking about here. That Jesus will open your mind to understand the gospel in the written word. You, you might say, well, I, I read the Bible and I, I don't think I understand. I understand like maybe 5% of it. Okay. Then you deal with a, you begin with a 5%. And, and the, the scriptural principle, when you're faithful with a little bit, you'll be entrusted with more. If you can't be trusted with a little bit, you're not going to be entrusted with more. And as you see that, how the gospel is in, in the written word, it bolsters your faith. It, it displaces your doubts. 
Let me give you two little examples. Uh, a couple spots that are underlined in my Bible. Why? Because it's an Old Testament place where I see the gospel. One is Job chapter um, 9, verses 33 to 35. If, you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there's a book called Job. And it's the story of this man who went through, you know, just terrible uh, tragedy and suffering and difficulty. And he doesn't know that it's kind of a setup that the devil came and, and said to God, I'm, I'm going to go after your servant Job because I think he just he trusts you just because he's rich. And, and, and God says, well, you can, you know, basically you can do what you like. Just don't just don't kill him. You're going to see that Job is faithful. Job's heart's in the right place. So Job doesn't know that what's going on in the unseen realm. But in his crying out, in his desperation for, for some answers and some hope and healing even, he says, if, if only there were a mediator between us, someone who could, who could bring us together, the mediator could make God stop beating me and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment and then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. Well, if you've developed the habit of reading Scripture and reading the Bible, and you're going to, you know what's in the New Testament, you know the message of Jesus, and then you come across that, you go, wait a second, this is the Old Testament. This is way back there, and this is Job talking, but that sounds like Jesus. I, I, my mind is opening up because there's, I see Jesus in, in Job. Job, who doesn't really quite know what he's talking about, is speaking prophetically of Jesus. Jesus is your mediator. Jesus is the one who stands between you and, and the Father. Jesus is the one who takes all the punishment that you deserve for your sin and takes it to himself on the cross. Jesus is, is the one, just go back one slide if you don't mind. Jesus is the one who, who, who relieves you of terror. He takes the punishment. Jesus is the one that makes it possible for you to, to speak to God without fear. You know what it says in Hebrews that, that therefore, because of Christ, we can boldly enter God's throne room, that place of grace, and find mercy when you need it. And I always say, I need mercy really when I'm messing up, and that's the time I'm invited to boldly come into God's presence. Yeah, because of Jesus. And Job talked about it long ago. Oh, what about the next one? Let me give you one more example. So I'm reading in the book of Job, and then I come across this passage. And even now, Job says, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is there on high. Did Job know Jesus? My friends scorned me, but I poured out my tears to God. I need someone to mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that a mediator has been given to you between yourself and your need and God. So do you see what what happens as you develop that habit of reading and and taking notes? This is why I'm always kind of, you know, urging you to develop a, a good, consistent habit of reading the Bible. And I look after 15 years of experience now, I've come to find that taking notes Helps me a lot in this. So I keep a little journal and I, I read the reading for the day. I watch for a verse that kind of comes off the page for me. I write that verse out in full and then I ask, you know, what is God saying to me and what's my response? Sometimes it's, Brian, I want to tell you today such and such. Sometimes, wow, I really noticed this. Or like, sometimes like, man, this is, this is really hard for me. Or, wow, I find this one tough. But I, I write that down and I, I record a prayer. And I don't really share that with anybody. That's, it's between me and the Lord. Although, it's a good habit to do that with others once in a while. We, we, we've been doing that in our staff meeting. Thursday morning, uh, I get together with somebody. We like to invite other guys to do that with us. Six o'clock in the morning on Thursdays. 
We're developing a habit, a practice of being in Scripture because it's in Scripture, right? That we meet Jesus and it's in the written Word that doubt is displaced. Doubt is removed as we're in that. And I, I would just really challenge you to make that a habit. We're um, By the end of this, later in December, we'll have uh, new R&R journals available on uh, they've got, we've got a nice cover for them and they look good. Five bucks, you can have a journal and, and I, I would just say, you know, 2018, I'm gonna do this. Even if it's a simple way, even if you say I'm just gonna read a verse a day or a, or a chapter a day, a, an attainable goal where I'm gonna read and I'm gonna respond to what God's doing. Alright. Now, you, um, well anyway, the written word is, is, Look, the written word is the reason that the Protestant Reformation happened 500 years ago. It's, it's why people today can, can, you know, grasp who the truth of Jesus is. We, we've got Bible translators who work in other parts of the world and they're translating the Bible into people's heart language. Getting it written down. Why? Because we need the written word. Yes, it's in writing. We're known as people of the book. We don't say, well, the Bible is kind of a nice addition. And yeah, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. No, it's a book of myths. No, we, 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 we place our, our lives on that. We say scripture is an authority for us. There's power in the written word. Look, anyone who keeps a diary or a journal, right? Maybe even a calendar in your phone, you know that, right? Not sure what happened last month. Oh man, did I, did I meet with Brian last month? Let's see. Let's go. Oh yeah, there it is. I met with Brian on the on the 17th. Yeah, there it is at, at four o'clock, right? Checking back on it removes all doubt. What about this week? You might get something in the mail, and then the return address says Pacific Gas and Electric, and the written word removes all doubt that that you owe them some money and on a certain date. And if you if you don't pay it, they're going to turn your lights off. Right? The the written word removes all doubt, and the written word of Scripture removes. I doubt it serves that powerful purpose. And it's done so from the beginning of the Christian faith. Displacing your doubts and building your confident faith in Christ. So make a practice of getting into it frequently. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. You guys are going to lead us in a closing song. God of angel armies. And Jesus asked this question. Why? Why? Why do you doubt? Man, why do you doubt, disciples? Well, they doubted because they, they were ignorant. It didn't make sense to them that Jesus was alive. And they, they doubted because they were fearful. They, they were afraid of, of what could this mean. Uh, afraid of what, what they had expected to be the reality. They, they didn't, their ignorance meant that they hadn't really grasped how Jesus was revealed in Scripture and Jesus Begins to point it out to them like, oh, wow, that makes sense now. Look, ignorance and fear, you don't need to be stuck on either of those. Fear is that chokehold on faith. And we're invited to reject what looks to be true in the natural and to rather embrace what God is doing in the supernatural. The over and above. That gal at the Vandal home a couple weeks ago, she didn't know where the dinner was going to come from. In the natural, it looked like they were fasting that day. In the supernatural, God was preparing.
Meeting with Jesus is, is, is that antidote to all that fear that you have in your life. Just get with Him. Jesus, I'm, I'm just anxious. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids, my health. I don't know what's going to happen to our finances, my marriage. My Meeting with Jesus is the antidote to that fear and unbelief. And, and you'll find as you make a good practice of it, the written word will displace your doubts. You know, wherever you're at today, you might be just kind of wrestling with something and say, I, that's good for others, but my situation's different. I'm, my situation's unique. And I would just invite you to, to begin to declare something that's true even before you feel it to be true. God, you are with me. Jesus, you've risen from the dead. Jesus, you are my mediator. I begin to declare the truths of, 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 of Scripture. The truth is what God's done for you. Jesus, you're going to deliver me from fear. God, you're going to care for my kids. God, you're going to lead my, my finances. God, you're going to help me in my marriage. God, you're going to guide me in my, my work decisions. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't even feel like you're anywhere near me right now, but I believe that you are, and by faith I'm moving forward in that. If you need help, get with someone else who can help you with that. Get in a small group. Come see one of your pastors. We would love to walk you through those places and say, I need help gaining confidence. And the last day, I would just say, make a commitment to say, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to get in Scripture. I'm going to make a practice of that. Look, if you do not know Jesus personally, if you cannot say, Jesus is a friend of mine, I, I put my faith in Jesus for salvation. We'd love to help you with that today. You need to talk to the person you came with or pastoral staff or somebody here and just say, I, I need help. Come to Jesus today and we'll help you with that. Church, God is just loving you so much. He is your he is your protector and your uh, provider, cares for you. And uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. God bless you. May you just know his peace every, every day. Amen. Amen.